Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the book of Hebrews, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was speaking about Hebrews chapter 11, and specifically I was speaking about Noah and the faith of Noah. Now, it's very important to take a few minutes to focus our perspective on the intent of the writer of this letter. You have to remember that he was writing this letter to the Hebrews. And if he was writing this letter to the Hebrews, then it's probable that they would have perceived what he was writing in a different way than we would today. Let me give you an example. For the most part, when people go into Hebrews chapter 11, they're thinking about it as the hall of faith. And as a list of people who we can admire because of their faith. And in most cases, when people read through this chapter, their focus then becomes a topical study on the individuals who are described in this list. People like Abraham and Sarah and Joseph and Enoch and Noah. And it's very easy to get lost in the people and in the topical studies relevant to these people and lose sight of the real purpose that the writer would have in speaking about them. And that's something that I wanted to mention right now because it's very important not to lose the proper focus of the intent of the writer. I do appreciate the value of topical studies concerning people like Noah and Abraham and Joseph. I think these things are very important. But on the other hand, this is not exactly the place for it. And the reason why is because the Hebrews were struggling with some very important concerns. They were struggling with some very important issues. One of the important issues that they were struggling with was the fact that they believed, for the most part, that their relationship with their God was based on their repentance from their sins and their obedience to the law, that their right standing with their God was based on that, that whether or not God was pleased with them depended on their ability to be obedient to their God. And so it was assumed that that was a life of faith that that was a life of having a relationship with their God. And in many cases today, in Christianity today, there are many people who believe that as well. And so I think in that context, it's worth examining this, not only for an understanding of what the writer was saying back then, but also how it can be applicable today because of the similarities concerning the issues that the people were struggling with and that people are struggling with right now. That even today, people will look at Hebrews chapter 11 and they will say, well, this is what we should expect to see in our lives if we are obedient to our God as he expected us to be when he gave us the law, when he gave us the commandments. That is an assumption. But I believe that there is something else that we should look at here, that we should really pay attention to. And that is that the people who are described here did not obtain their right standing with God because of their obedience or because of their repentance. They did not have a relationship with their God in as much as they had one 
because of how they managed to obey their God. Their relationship with him or their status with him was based on their belief in him. It was based on the fact that they trusted what he said, that they believed the words that he communicated to them. They responded according to that belief, and that was a reflection of their belief that we would describe as faith, faith being the response of a person in light of the truth that has been given to them that they responded to that, and that they pleased God because they believed him. On the other hand, the Hebrews at the time when this letter was written were not believing that they were pleasing to God because they believed him. They did not see it that way. They believed that they would be pleasing to God because of their repentance and obedience. And so also today we struggle with the same issues that people believe that they are going to be pleasing to God if they turn away from their sins and they obey his commands. And as I explained in the previous broadcasts, that is not the real issue. The real issue is, are we going to believe our God and are we going to trust him and are we going to live in response to that truth? The response to that truth is not necessarily going to be measured by our repentance or our obedience. It is simply a response that is reflected in the way that we live on a daily basis that may have nothing to do with what we should not do or what we should do, but instead the fact that we live a life of peace and rest. We live a life of dependency on our God and of thankfulness with our God. There is no law that governs thankfulness. There is no law that governs peace and rest or joy. There is no law that governs any of these things. It says that thou must be thankful, or thou must be at peace, thou must be at rest. There's nothing like that in the law. This is a completely separate issue entirely. The writer speaks of this relationship that we now have in the context of the people before Moses, the people before the law, and even in reference to people afterwards, that they were pleasing to God because of their faith, because of their trust in their God. So the writer is saying that with the intent of saying that today you should not be relying on or depending on yourself, but you should truly rely and trust in what your God has done for you, that just as people were pleasing to God back then in this way, so also today you are pleasing to God under the same circumstances, in the same context. However, the difference between back then and today is that today we have the Messiah. The Messiah has come. The Messiah is here. And because of what he has done, we can experience a much greater relationship with our God in the context of peace and rest and thankfulness, well beyond what anyone previously could have come close to understanding in any way whatsoever, that we have a unique opportunity right now that is distinct from the people who were described in Hebrews chapter 11. But the point of mentioning them is not to say we need to be like them in the sense that they were obedient like we think we are trying to be. But it is to say that, look, they were pleasing to God, not because of their repentance and obedience. They were pleasing in a different way. So also, you will be pleasing to your God in a different way. 
But this way, in addition to faith, is also with relevance to your faith in the Lord Jesus, your faith in the Messiah, your belief and trust in what Jesus has actually done for you. Otherwise, you can turn back to anything. You can turn back to the faith of Noah or the faith of Abraham. You can turn back to the faith of others who were there previously before you. However, today, there is a new relationship that has been established, and we are to enter it by faith, and we are to be sustained within it by faith, and we are to continue in it by faith. And in the new relationship that we have with Christ Jesus, we have a new opportunity to know our God that the people previously could have never experienced, that they could have never had. The reward, the blessing that the people could have obtained previously were blessings of the flesh. They were things that they could acquire in this world. Abraham, as an example, was promised the land that we know as the land of Israel. Noah was given the blessing and the inheritance of the entire earth as he and his family were the only ones who were left alive. These measurements are measurements in the flesh and in this world. They were also promised something that would be obtained in the future, that in the future they would be a part of the true kingdom of God, and that is something that we can also enjoy right now. But there is something else that we get to experience that they could have not experienced, and the writer of this letter is establishing the division between the Hebrews of that time and their forefathers who were looking forward to something that they should also look forward to that's true. But also, because of what Jesus has done, they can now enter into a relationship that not even their forefathers could have entered into. And that's something that you have at your disposal right now. Hebrews chapter 11 describes the opening of the door. Walking through it is what happens next. Now, beginning in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it is written, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Of course, there is an awful lot that can be said here. The foreshadowings that are given here are immense when you consider the subject of the inheritance and not knowing what is in the future. But again, I would like to reserve this for a topical study on Abraham. Continuing in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore there was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. But the importance is, is that in making comparison with these people back then, And the Hebrews, who this letter was written to, the Hebrews had forgotten about the things that they were to look forward to in the future because they were making the assumption that everything that was fulfilled in the promises was something that they were receiving right now. 
But to mention this, the writer exaggerates the importance that there still is more to come, that there is something else, that while they certainly received the promises of blessings that could be experienced here on earth, there was still something more that they were going to look forward to that would be received after they died, not when they were alive. In verse 15 it says, And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That has to do with the kingdom of heaven. It does not have to do with what they were expecting to build as a kingdom here on earth. To try and construct what they had left behind or something that was similar to it was a way of looking back. And you do not look back. Once the door has been opened to you to walk in a new life under a new covenant to experience a relationship with your God, you then have a focus on the things of heaven. You then have a focus on things that are not of this earth at all, and you do not turn back. You do not look back. There is nothing in this world that you want to recover or that you want to duplicate. Everything that is here will be gone. Nothing here is eternal, except, of course, for your soul and spirit. Those will then enter into a new kingdom, a new country, a new place that is built by your God, not by human hands. This is the new covenant. The writer is speaking of these people who believed that this would happen in the future, and because of that, God was pleased with them. The Hebrews, at the time that this was written, had forgotten these things and were making the assumption that everything that they were going to acquire from their God was there in front of them, in Jerusalem, in the land. And it was not. And they were assuming that their relationship with him was about repentance and obedience, and it was not. It never has been. It never will be. And so the writer is intending to make this transition to show people that there is something entirely different from what they have right now. And this that is different is something that they definitely need to pursue. Beginning in verse 17, this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, And Isaac, your descendants, shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. It is a type, it is a shadow, it is something that we use in order to describe a reality that has now been presented to us right now. That even as Jesus raised people from the dead when he was conducting his ministry, there is a resurrection that we all experience when we believe and trust in the gospel of the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of the Holy Spirit that resurrects us right now from among the dead so that we become among the living. He does that. That is your salvation. That is the salvation that you experience right now. And this carries you on into the kingdom that you will soon enter into after you physically die. There is a complete change of focus from the things of the world to the things of the kingdom of heaven that needs to be a part of every believer's life if they are going to continue in their faith. 
if they are going to continue to grow and mature in what the Lord has provided for them. This is a very important subject. In verse 20, it is written, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. And then, of course, they threw him into the water. No, it doesn't say that. I'm just saying that because I like to say that on occasion. Continuing in verse 23, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He was looking to something in the future. In verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. And then he speaks of Jericho and Rahab, and he says in verse 32, And what more shall I say, for time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. And he continues to speak of these people who had great faith, certainly, but what's more important is that they had faith in a great God, and they were always looking forward to what he was going to do for them in the future. They believed him, they trusted him, and they relied on him, and their lives were a reflection of what they truly believed. But today, that has now been fulfilled, it has all been revealed in Christ Jesus, who has now presented us a new covenant, and we certainly have a future in the kingdom of heaven, but there's also a future in the relationship that we can now have. But the measurement that people focus on is a poor measurement. The Hebrews measured their relationship with their God in terms of the blessings of the flesh and how well they were doing in their lives. So also today, we struggle with the exact same things where people today measure their maturity in Christ Jesus, measure their relationship with their God by what they are able to accomplish by what they are able to obtain, by what they are able to experience here in this world, not realizing that the purpose of salvation is not to have a better life. I mean, certainly we can experience that, but it is instead so that we could know our God. The people who were spoken of as people of faith here did not really know their God as we can know him today. They could know of him. They could know about him. They could trust in the prophecies that he proclaimed concerning what would take place in the future. They could believe that, and he could be pleased with them because of it. But they could never truly know him for who he is. They could never truly know his love, his patience, his kindness. They could never know what he is really doing here on this earth and why he has created the earth as he has and why he has put people here, and his purposes 
in establishing all things as they have been established and how they are being realized as time goes on. These are things that can only be experienced now in light of what Jesus has done for us. They could have never known the forgiveness of God. They could have never known the mercy of God. Not in the same way that we can know now. There are some distinct differences, but the issue is, is to get your focus off of the things of this world to understand that there are things of the kingdom of heaven where you can know your God, and that is what is of importance. And the writer of the letter to the Hebrews in verse 11 begins to express this. He introduces this at the end of chapter 11, where he says, beginning in verse 33, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, and escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. And you look at this and you say, yeah, 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 I want to be part of this. I want to experience all these great accomplishments and I want to enjoy the revelation of my God who intervenes in a similar way as he did back then. But then all of a sudden he says, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive What was promised? Because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They were not made perfect apart from us because the revelation of perfection and the opportunity to experience perfection was only possible through the giving of the Messiah, the revelation of the new covenant, the realization of it, and the going into effect of it, when it goes into effect, which it has already gone into effect. Now that we enter into that, now perfection is revealed. They were just simply forerunners, and they did not experience great things all the time. When we read that they were put to death with a sword, they were sawn in half, things like that, You wonder, you know, what is the connection here? And why is it that we have all these great accomplishments and all of a sudden all these other things happen that are definitely things that people don't particularly enjoy? Well, the issue is not what you obtain in this world. The issue is has nothing to do with that. And for the writer to mention this to the Hebrews would break that chain that the Hebrews were held by by evaluating their position with their God by what they were experiencing in terms of blessings and in terms of wealth or in terms of prosperity that they were experiencing here on the earth, that these things have nothing to do with that. That regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the outcomes, regardless of what you gain or what you lose, what is of importance is that you begin to know your God. And these folks could know about him. They could know of him. But you have an opportunity to truly know him for who he is. And this perfection is revealed now because of the forgiveness of all of your sins so that he can show you 
the love that he truly has for each one of us. And that is unique. That is something that only a believer in the Messiah can encounter, can begin to grow in, can begin to mature in. And your trust and faith will grow substantially in the midst of that because now it is compounded beyond just the truth that is revealed, but on the basis of the person who you now know. And that is a reality that goes well beyond what the people who are described here could have possibly encountered. That is something that you have today. And so do that. Pursue him for who he is. And don't make measurements on the basis of fleshly returns or on the basis of how you are blessed or how you prosper. Those things have nothing to do with what your God is doing. What your God is doing is showing himself for who he is. Don't miss out on such opportunities as you have that he presents to you. The people who are described in Hebrews chapter 11 are people who testified of the truth that had been revealed to them. They testified of their God. But what was their testimony? The testimony of Noah was that God was going to destroy the earth and pass judgment on the sin of the people who were there. The testimony of Abraham was a testimony of my God is a God who's going to provide me with land and my descendants with land. And he has promised me an heir, a son, who will be born of Sarah and I. And the testimony of Moses was a testimony of, I believe that there is more to life than the complete indulgence of my flesh, with all that's at my disposal being a son of the Pharaoh, that there must be something more to life than this. And yet his testimony of his God again is a God who would take people out of slavery. If somebody asked him, tell me about your God, testify of your God, he would say, this is a God who will set people free in their flesh, who will take them to a land that he has promised, that he promised to their forefathers so that they can build a new life for themselves. He could testify of a God who would part the Red Sea to set them free in order to live in a new way of life. But there is another way of life. There is another testimony that is different from all of this. And that is the testimony of let me tell you about a God who will give you peace and rest in your soul in such a way that there is nothing in this world that could possibly compare. That is a testimony that only you and I can truly experience, that we can truly have, that the people who are testified of in Hebrews chapter 11 could have never truly known for themselves. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,